Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. John, summer is here. It is. I mean, I kicked it off with vacation last week at the beach, and, you know, it was kind of beach as usual down there at Hilton Head. It was... uh, You take your clubs with you, right? I I did play a little golf. (laughs) I did. And uh, people were... The beach was crowded. But people were social distancing. I will say that. You know, I mean, I didn't see people on top of each other. They were kind of, you know... I mean, in general, I walked right through the big crowds. And I think it's deceptive when you look from a distance. It looks like they're on top of each other. But when you go through it, you're like, okay, Mm. there's 10, 12, 15 Mm -hmm. feet between these groups here. You know, nobody's... Like right on top of each other. It feels um, it feels like we're starting to come out of this. I do think large events, groups, you know, look at sporting events. Yeah, still going to have to figure out a way to um, to handle things. But restaurants are opening and people out there starting to shop a little bit. The markets had a great month in May, right? Yeah, the market did have a great month in May, and uh, markets recovering. You know, despite you know people's skepticism about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that is what markets do, and and you know, over time and. I think we're on the recovery side here. I really think that'll continue slowly, but, you know, through the summer. Well, the medical, yeah, the medical field, I mean, there's articles coming out every day about some country doing something, and, you know, they're going to get a solution. They just are. I mean, that's what happens in these cases, and we don't know when, but, boy, I tell you what, when they have the solution and they're able to open fully back up with travel and sporting events, that's a game changer. It'll give us a new appreciation, too, won't it? It will. You know, yeah. for me, I can tell you, I went to church this past Sunday for the first time. We had church on the lawn, <laughs> and I can't tell you how much I appreciated that. Just yeah. being there, seeing people, you know, it was different, you know, you got to, you know, sing together, and, and it was it was, good, it was a good feeling. Good thing it was cool. Yeah, well, we did in the morning. <laughs> it was nice. It worked out really, yeah. really well. So, you know, I think uh, we're on the mend here, and, uh, you know, speaking on the mend, um, you know, we're going to talk about four ways to get your retirement back on track. If your retirement has been beaten down by COVID and by the recession, um, you know, this is a great article from Chris Hogan from Dave Ramsey's organization. It's got four things you can do to get back on track. Um, you want to stick around for that. Yeah. And then uh, another really interesting article. I don't think we've ever covered this topic, but is um, you hear money doesn't buy you happiness, but there is a certain level of income that uh, studies have shown that uh, do bring a a level of happiness and contentment. You know, emotionally, you're able to pay bills and so forth. Yeah. And so we're going to dive into that. It's got some really good points in here uh, for you to think about. So it's kind of a softer topic. No numbers. Yeah. Necessarily. Well, there's some, some numbers. But, money didn't bring you happiness, but the lack of money does bring you pain. There is. That's true. And there is a balance on all this. And it's a, it's a good topic, good discussion to keep things in kind of perspective. It does. That'll be interesting. Very interesting. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a, a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 25 years experience of providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can listen to it from your laptop. You can download it on iTunes, 
however you want to listen to us. A lot of different ways, right? Yeah, we're out there. We're we out are. There. Easy. Yeah. The website works great. Yeah, website has a lot of tools. We also have a, a MoneyMD Facebook uh, page. We uh, put a prescription of the week every single week. Yeah, absolutely. So lots of ways to get to us there. And uh, well, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, Steve, one of the interesting things going through this um, this economy is interest rates You know, were cut very low. And as a result, mortgage rates now are down in the low 3%. Uh, this was as of a couple of weeks ago, but it's the lowest 30-year fixed rate since 1991. Wow. So if you mm-hmm. haven't refinanced, if you're even in the 4% range, you should consider you know, getting least, maybe a 15-year that are, you know, in the high twos. Yeah, they are in the high twos for 15-year, which is remarkable. It you is know? amazing. So, uh, so yeah, it's definitely worth looking at a refinance if you're up there at four or greater. And, um, you know, wow, I mean, yeah, it's been below. I mean, really, the interest rates have been below 4% now for over 10 years, um, since 2008, yeah. really. Um, so it's, it's kind of remarkable that mortgage rates have been that low for that long. Yeah. Who would have thought that 12, 13 years ago, uh, it's, we would see this long stretch. So take uh, advantage of it from, if you have a mortgage, you know, absolutely. good opportunity. Yeah. Lock into, uh, you know, a 15 year would be fantastic yeah. if you can get into that and then get, get that sucker paid off. So, all right, good fact of the week. That leads us to our first topic here, and that is the four ways to get back on track. Um, this is article by Chris Hogan um, off of DayRamsey.com. And you know, John, I mean, after this pandemic and the drop in the markets, I think it's safe to say there are a lot of people that are finding themselves behind on savings and planning for retirement. Um, even without the recession, the average worker is woefully short of being on track for their golden years. But here's what Chris Hogan of Dave Ramsey's organization suggests for getting back on track. Um, you know, first, though, he emphasizes that it's never too late to get started or get on track for retirement, no matter how old you are um, or how much or how little you have saved so far. There's always something you can do to get back on track. Um, you can't change the past, but you can still change the future. And as he puts it, you know, the fat lady hasn't sung yet. So there's <laughs> still time, right? So we need to get to it here. Um, he says, uh, they they quote statistics here, that only 36% of working adults feel like they're in, on track for the retirement savings. And even more alarming, though, almost one out of every five Americans between 45 and 59, 17%, are getting closer to retirement with nothing saved for retirement at all. I mean, mm. they're totally broke. So as Chris says in that deep, thundering voice, you know, that he, t- he talks with, which is amazing, he says it's time to wake up, people. He says, Mama Hogan used to say, if 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 it's meant to be, it's up to me. <laughs> so get your chin up because we're going to walk you through a few ways to catch up on your retirement savings. Let's do this. Yeah. And it's, it's as you mentioned earlier, it's never too late. I mean, you just need a plan. So let's say you're 40 years old and you're making about 55,000 um, salary and you've saved nothing for retirement. If you can take 15% of that, which is about $688 each month and put it into your 401k or maybe a Roth IRA, do that for 25 years you know, if the markets perform like they have historically, you could have, you know, a million plus and uh, you would be a millionaire. So it's never too late. Yeah, that's right. That's a great example. You know, but what if you're 45 or if you're already in your 50s, you know, um, here's where you can take advantage of your age because a higher salary usually comes with, you know, older, older people. 
So people that are 45 to 54 are hitting their peak earnings years with the typical household income running about $84,000 per year. Hopefully your kids are out of the house by now. Um, so if you invest 15% of that income, the 84000 you'd be putting away about $12,600 per year for retirement. So if you stay on your retirement dream, continue investing that amount for 20 years, you could end up with about $900,000 for retirement, you know, and that's the power of compounding interest at work. So, you know, starting with nothing, you can get to $900,000 in just 20 years. Um, of course, you know, that that's at a certain rate of return. It's that stock market rates of return. Mm-hmm. Past performance doesn't guarantee future results. <laughs> yes, all we that know. you know, you know the, the, the disclaimers absolutely, exactly. Absolutely. But nonetheless, yep. it, the point is, you can do it. You Save. can do it. You can do it. You got to start. Um, so you know, what are some things you can do? The first one uh, on the list here is look for savings in your monthly budget. Yeah, if you want to put more money to retirement, you probably don't have to look very far. Um, give yourself a goal by hitting. The, the by committing to a specific dollar amount that you want to save. Maybe sit down with your spouse or your accountability partner. Look for maybe $250 a month that you can shave off your budget. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, and there's a couple things that you can look at. Cancel subscriptions, memberships. I mean, do you really need that golf membership, Steve? Uh, I do, actually, John, okay, well, but uh, let's look somewhere else. Yeah, okay, Netflix, Hulu, <laughs> All right, Disney+. Plus. You can dump some of that stuff. If you look at your cable bill, it's amazing how much, you know, the cable bills used to be, and actually the cell phone bills are as, as well. So you got to look at some places that you can cut those monthly routine things. And sometimes you're not even using it, and it's hitting every single month. All right. Well, here's one where I do save money, John, because you can cook meals at home instead of dining out. Oh, okay. No, I don't cook the meals at home. <laughs> Kathy does. But There's, he, Thank he, goodness. He points out here, though, Americans eat out six times a week. With huh? dinners averaging $36 per person at restaurants. Six times. Yeah, I guess lunch. Yeah. Lunch we, and, see, we don't eat out nearly that much. Yeah. I mean, it's like one time a week for dinner, maybe one time for lunch. I mean, that's it for us. Yeah. So, you know, that means the average person is spending like $182 a week cooking meals at home Gosh. instead of eating out. And you can save hundreds of dollars each month. I mean, your wallet and your waistline will thank you because... <laughs> I don't know how you stick to any kind of diet if you're eating out six times mm, a week. That's a I'm, lot. I'm sorry, that's a lot. So you need to eat at home just for your diet plan, if nothing else. Um, but you can save a ton of money by doing that. Here's another one. I mean, get a better deal on your car insurance. When was the last time you shopped around for car insurance? Um, if it's been a while, you might want to take a look because a lot of things change, and you know you can get some some better deals out there. You know, depending on your life situation. Um, so those who shop up, shop around, they end up uh, switching insurance and they can save about $350 a month on average in their annual premium. So he suggests have an independent insurance agent shop around for you um, and see what kind of savings you can get because, you know, oftentimes they're, they're pretty big. Um, another thing on the list, well, uh, the, the list could go on and on, but, you know, we're not going to lie. I mean, cutting things from your budget can be painful. Um, and it will be painful. So you might need to give up your annual summer vacation to the beach um, or just say no when your friends want to go out to eat at a fancy restaurant. But remember, I mean, you're making short-term sacrifices that will help you retire on your terms, and that's worth fighting for. So you can do this. Yeah, so that's kind of focused on expenses, which is great, but also your income is is one of your biggest wealth-building tools. So try to increase your income, side hustles, 
Uh, maybe it's delivering pizzas, uh, tutoring kids in math. Um, you know, we see people doing pet sitting businesses, pet walking. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things you, you can look at to get additional income. Maybe rent out an extra room. Um, if your kids have gone off to college and flown the coop, heck, I mean, rent their room out, right? <laughs> They'll be yeah. surprised when they come back. No kidding. I but mean, you, yeah, with Airbnb yeah. and all this stuff out there, there's a lot of get ways, some, the gig economy. To get some money. rent money and pay off your mortgage faster. So I like it. Yeah, that's right. So here's a math question. You know, what could an extra $500 a month do for your nest egg? Well, the answer is a lot. Um, you know, let's say that you're 50 years old with $100,000 saved for retirement. I mean, that's better than nothing, but, you know, you have a lot of work to do. So right now, you know, you're putting about $300 a month, let's say, into your retirement savings. At that rate, you'll have about $650,000 saved for retirement age 65 with 11% rate of return. That's a pretty high rate of return. So, yeah. But, you know, for comparison purposes, yes. we'll stick with his example here. Um, but, you know, if you took on a side hustle and you rent out a spare bedroom and you start adding an extra $500 a month to your 401k or IRA, um, that would bring your monthly contributions up to $800 per month. And now, instead of $650,000, you'd have $880,000 saved up at age 85. I mean, that's like a quarter million dollars extra in your nest egg just because, you know, you added that $500 a month. So it's a big deal. You can make a big difference given the time. Um, So next on the list here, though, is turn your home into a wealth building tool. And you kind of alluded to this, John, but, you know, you probably probably have a secret weapon to help you catch up on your retirement savings, and you may not even know it. In fact, you're probably sitting in it right now, and that's your house. Because um, in his book, Everyday Millionaires, Ordinary People Build Wealth and How You Can Too, Chris Hogan, they took a look at the average millionaire um, and how long they took to pay off their house, and it was 10.2 years. So there's a reason for that. I mean, owning your home means that that you can enter retirement with a huge asset that's separate from your retirement savings, and, you know, more importantly, getting rid of your mortgage allows you to supercharge your investing. Yep. So you're going to have that much more money per month that, you know, you have no obligations, a lot more flexibility, have your house paid for, and you'll have that that you can dump into your retirement savings. Yeah. So another thing you can do to to catch up on the retirement is um, really focus on paying off that mortgage as fast as you can and also doing the 15% retirement. So it's going to take, you know, it's going to take some extra effort here. But let's say you're 45, making 73000 a year. So you have a $1,000 mortgage payment. For the next 10 years, you invest 15% of your income for retirement, and you commit to paying an additional $500 a month on your on your mortgage. And in that time, you could pay off a $145,000 mortgage and also build up retirement savings of around 200000 So you basically flip the equation completely if you're able to do that. Now, it's not, it's not easy to do. That's hard. you gotta, right. you got to be focused on it. But we see people doing it all the time. And, um, you know, it's, it's a different way. Yeah, and a lot of times people come into money, they'll inherit money or, you know, have some kind of windfall. And, I mean, if you can throw that against your mortgage and get that mortgage paid off once and for all, um, you know, that's a big that's a, that's a big deal. You know, it really gets you ahead. It puts you on a different trajectory for retirement. Um, so anyway, so now you're 55, the house is yours, free and clear, it's paid off, but retirement's right around the corner. Now it's time to put the pedal to the metal. You got to increase your amount that you're going to save each money, each month by $1,000 per month, um, your old mortgage payment, 
you know, is now slapped toward your retirement. So over the next 10 years, you could build your nest egg up over a million dollars just by putting in that extra $1,000 per month. So in 20 years, your your retirement vision becomes a reality instead of a pipe dream. You've, you've uh, you know, got paid for your, got your home paid for, um, and you have a more than decent nest egg waiting for you when you retire. And that happened by staying focused on your long-term goals and by working hard to get there. So having having your house paid for um, also gives you kind of a second option. Now you could sell your house. You could use a portion of those proceeds to buy a new smaller house. Um, you could downsize. You could put the rest of that toward retirement. So it gives you some flexibility, some options. So that's where you want to get for retirement. Um, and then last one here is to push back retirement for a few years. Um, that's no fun. Now here's out. Now I know if you're, if you're, um, you but know, it's an option. It's an option, it's right? A, it, I mean, nobody wants to do that, but you know, you got to understand the power of, of, of what that does for you because it, it, you have more than just time working on your side here. You have savings, you have higher social security. There's a lot of things working for you. If you just push it back just a couple of years. So, you know, if you feel like you're really behind, um, you know, what if you kept saving working until age 70, for example? Um, that gives you compounding interest five more years to do its thing. Um, those five years could make a world of difference. Um, also, you know, any pension grows bigger each year, along with Social Security, which goes up about 8% per year. So from 65 to 70, Social Security would be, you know, somewhere like 35% more. Um, by the time you hit, by the time you hit 70, that's a lot. Um, for each year you delay, it goes up like 8%. And then working longer is not an option for everyone though. Um, so, I mean, if you're in good health, you're enjoying your job, staying longer is a great choice, not only for your mental health, but also for your financial health. But if you can't, then, you know, you got to come up with a different plan and you got to look at these other steps that we talked about. So, but if you invested $800 from age 45 to 65, you can end up with close to $700,000 in your nest egg, that's not bad, you know, but if you stay focused, you keep working and investing for five more years, then your retirement savings could potentially grow to $1.2 million. So an extra half million dollars. That's the magic of compounding interest and giving yourself an extra five years. Yeah, and I think you mentioned, you know, past performance doesn't guarantee future results. These are big course, you know, right. numbers and markets do crazy things. It, it really is about a mindset of, hey, I'm going to save additional money. I'm also going to pay off mortgage. And, uh, you know, those two things, those two combinations together work out pretty well historically. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it is a mindset. You're right. You just got to change your trajectory. You got to get focused on it and you got to do whatever it takes to, to get you where you need to be. So good point. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question actually came from one of Matthew's clients. Um, says, can I use my 529 to pay for student loans? Mm. And the answer is yes. This year you can up to $10,000. It's, um, you know, pretty now, is, unusual. Is that part of the CARES Act? It is. It's just yep. temporary. Yep. Yep. So, so you can put money in there and pay it off and, um, you know, get a in South Carolina, you get a state tax tax uh, income reduction. So, yeah, be about a seven hundred dollar you know benefit for you. It depends on what so tax bracket you're in. By but, putting it in when you put it in the plan. Yeah, right, put it in right, and then right. pull it back out to pay it, pay pull it off. Up so. loans. but it's a one time thing. Yeah. Can't do that every year. Yeah. and uh, you know, it's it comes out tax free, right? That's right. So yeah. yeah, that's a good deal for this year if you have money that you can plop down into a five twenty nine plan. Interesting, interesting fact of the week. Or question, I should say. Yep. All right. And that leads up to our next topic here. And that is um, 
Keeping up with the Joneses, you know, how money really affects your happiness. Does it really help? Yeah, this is really, this is interesting. This is uh, from a Corey uh, Stieg from uh, CNBC. And, you know, we have record un- unemployment, pay cuts, you know, certainly turbulent market. And, um, you know, the money's at the forefront of people's minds more and more. And so uh, it's important to look at happiness. And the answer is complicated. There's been a lot of research done on this, and it looks at how money affects happiness, which is, you know, which in psychology is defined as is emotional well-being and how satisfied are you with the way your life's going. So right. it's really emotional. And, and so there was a study back in 2018 from Purdue University that used a much wider data um, from the Gallup World Poll and found that the ideal income, here's the answer, for individuals is 95000 that's the ideal that, income. That's it for life satisfaction and uh, between 60 and 75 for emotional well-being. And here's the interesting thing. When people wow. earn more than 105000 their happiness level is decreased. Oh, shoot. Isn't that, that's, it's interesting. So we should just tax all the money above? I guess, right? <laughs> no, careful, no. careful. No, no, no. So 95 not. is life satisfaction and 60 to 75 is emotional well-being. So and I would say that people making more than 105, if their happiness decreases, because they they can't handle money. They don't, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it becomes a mental. It's it, a mental thing. Yeah. It's a you know, it's wanting too much. It's spending more than you're really making. It's keeping up with the Joneses. Yep. It's all that pressure you start feeling for thinking you really made it. And maybe that's it. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, but the ideal is that you know, if you need more money to meet your basic needs, such as access to health care, safe place to live. Um, then, you know, and you grew up with, uh, without resources like food, clothing, shelter, um, then having more money really makes a huge difference in your life, overall well-being, being, and you're obviously going to be more happy. But once you hit that middle class level, there really is no correlation above that limit, you know, to your happiness. You know, this can be kind of challenging to comprehend because most people kind of operate on the assumption that money's going to solve their problems you know, all the way up the scale. But the fact is, that's that's not true, right? Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, more money doesn't make us happy. happier um, from uh, this Yale psychologist, Laurie Santos, um, but making more relative to other people does. She hosts the Happiness Lab. And even the richest folks in the world out there can look around and uh, find someone that's just a teensy weensy bit richer, right? <laughs> so you start comparing yourselves. Or and even a lot richer. That's yeah. right. That's right. And therefore, their money is not making them as happy as they think. And this is because we have an evolutionary tendency to compare ourselves to other people. And that, that's where the problem is, is you start making, you know, over the 105, you start, you know, start comparing yourself. And we're very much wired really on a survival level to see how we compare and where we stack up next to everybody else. And so studies do suggest that we feel like we can't maintain the same standard of living as our peers, then that's going to make us unhappy. Yeah. And so the, the reason why, you know, simply getting more money doesn't make us happier is because there's a psychological phenomenon called the hedonic uh, adaption. You know, over time, we get used to that change in our life and our expectations change. And our lifestyle changes, um, so we adapt, you know. Plus, I mean, every time we experience the kind of rise in income uh, that they're talking about here, um, you know, our aspirations and our expectations rise a little bit along with it. Yeah. So we're adjusting as you go, and your level of happiness is always relative to some higher mark. That's right, and so you're never happy. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it really is interesting. It's, it's you know, a lot on the psychology side, but it's, it's also critical to know 
um, that this does happen subconsciously. So you can't override it. You got to realize that it's happening. Otherwise, you're going to be really tempted to buy things. I mean, like when you look over and see your neighbor has a new car. I mean, you're going to have an instant sense of dissatisfaction that you don't have a new car, and you're going to be, you know, vulnerable to making financial mistakes. So, it is a contentment, is what it boils down to. Yeah, yeah. I think you just have to look at the the negatives. Those people, like if they own a beach house, just think of all the work they have to do to keep <laughs> that right. beach house up. I mean, all that sand everywhere. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. So just. Think of their negatives and your positives, and you fix the problem. There you go, John. Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, so so purpose is more important than the money to be happy is what they're showing here, right? I mean, research consistently shows that if you want to be happier in your job, you shouldn't chase a higher salary. Um, from a happiness standpoint, it's more important that your job provides a sense of meaning and purpose. So in this 2018 survey <clears throat> that they did. Um, Better Up Labs, nine out of 10 people said they would trade 23% of their future earnings to have a job with meaning. Hmm. So so why don't more people switch then to a lower paying job that has a more meaningful job, you know, like being a school teacher, for instance? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what higher calling could you have? That's a great profession. A lot of meaning behind that. You really affect some lives. Um, but according to Santos, it's easy to get caught up in the golden handcuffs. In other words, you feel trapped. Um, in a job that you hate because you're paying a lot of you're, you're well, I guess you're being paid a lot of money yeah. and you have money in the future. You have things in the future, these golden handcuffs that kind of keep you trapped like a pension or something like that. Yeah, it's like you, you don't like your, your job or career, but you stay in there because you have to pay for your life. And, um, you know, luckily anyone can can make their job more meaningful by maybe infusing their own personal strengths into the job. Uh, they're saying basically, if you like helping people, then in your office, help people. Um, but, you know, you, you can buy happiness by, by doing this and figuring out what is really critical and, and what you really enjoy. For example, contrary to the self-care belief that you should splurge and treat yourself to material purchases, buying things won't make us very happy. And we see that, right? We oh, see yeah. people spend a lot of money on stuff and it just doesn't make you happy. And while it make, make you feel good to shop for nicer, more expensive things, these typically are not for fulfilling once we get them. And this is in part because material purchases hang around and we get used to them, which is interesting, right? That's right. I mean, it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have, you know, I have a friend that bought a nice, very nice boat. Well, now the motors are messing up on the boat. Yeah. And so it's no longer a point of happiness. It's yeah, a it's point of pain. Something else to know? fix. <laughs> it's something else to fix. So there's always something. So you got to consider, mm-hmm. you know, you don't buy it for the happiness part. Um, you know, on the other hand, I mean, spending money on personal growth, connecting with people, contributing to the community, that, that you know, those do con- contribute to happiness, the studies show. Um Studies also suggest that spending money on experiences makes you happier than items. So if you spend money in ways that help other people, um, helps you connect with others, um, whether it's just dinner with friends or traveling, um, you know, if it's not even if it's not very far and very expensive, that would make you happy as well, they say. So they're back to my vacation and golf thing, John. <laughs> That's right. I love this. All things lead to vacation and golf. Vacation yeah. and golf. Here's another interesting um, uh, takeaway from a study that was done back in 2017 is something that does bring you um, some happiness and satisfaction is is buying yourself time. So, um, you know, when when you um, 
pay for someone that has time-saving services. Maybe it's ordering takeout, maybe having your home cleaned, uh, having someone run errands, something like that. Um, it buys you time. And at that, yeah. at a time when our habits around money and shopping are changing, simply understanding what's going to make you happy is, is important. So it's not, it's not the income necessarily got to have some to live and pay bills and do some fun things. But I tell you, boy, if you get in a trap of always comparing yourself yeah. You'll, you'll never be happy because there's always yeah. someone out there. I guess if you're, who's the richest one? Is it Elon Musk or oh, Bill no, Gates or be, uh, some is it, person over in Saudi Arabia? I don't know. Well, yeah, or or Brookshire Hathaway. Um, yeah, you know, Warren Buffett. Buffett, Warren Buffett. There's always someone that's going to have more. And always the other thing that's interesting is you can't look at someone's house, cars, and think that they're wealthy because a lot of times it's all financed with debt. That's right. And, and those are that's those right. are going to come back and and hurt them. But I think it is one of the takeaways I got is, you know, spending money on services, spending money on experiences, experiences yep. you know, it's, it's, it's contrary to kind of popular belief. It's better than buying things in terms of happiness. Right. Things you get used to, them, you know, yeah. you get used to them and, and they're just they're fleeting and yep. then they wear out. and Yeah. Then the it. engine breaks. <laughs> there you go. All right. Very interesting. All right. That leads up to our last topic here, our last thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah. So we work with a lot of people, obviously, that are retiring. And one of the conversations we have is, you know, what are you going to do in retirement? So the prescription is, is if you're in that situation, dream a little bit. Um, Spend some time with people that you know that have retired and have retired well and that are at peace um, and, um, find out what they've done and, and kind of follow in their footsteps, but, you know, dream a, a little bit, what are you going to do in retirement? I think is a, is a fun thing to do. And a lot of times people have not thought through that when they come to us, they've focused on the financial side and, and that's a piece of the equation, but also what, what are you going to do in retirement? Yeah, I think that's great advice to, to learn from people that have, uh, you know, retired really well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's all about, you know, doing planning, like you said, um, and really transition into a life that you have a passion for, you know, not just stepping into retirement with no plan, but having a plan, maybe test driving that plan a little bit. Make sure you're passionate about what you're going to be doing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, talk to people that have that seem to be really happy in retirement. Find out what they're doing in retirement and uh, learn from them. So yeah. great prescription of the week. All right. That's been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. You can reach us at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. Ladies and gentlemen. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVistor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. It's been some good.